Good morning and welcome to another edition of Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. This is Henry Harris. Today's This week's topic is understanding what's behind our complaints. Okay, let us begin. We are looking at a simple truth. We're looking, about, we're looking at a simple truth about the nature of our feelings, our moods, our psychological experience, that we are on the receiving end of a divine flow. We're having an experience of, <clears throat> of a divine flow, though we are having... We are certainly encountering events and people and circumstances. It is, and it looks like those events and people and circumstances are shaping and directly forming the feelings that we're having. Why else would I feel this way except that this event and circumstance is unfolding? The truth is, is that we have a whole variety and spectrum of feelings in the, in the face of the same set of circumstances. The same circumstance can on the one hand feel to us uh, neutral, or alternatively, at another time, frightening and threatening, or at another time, inspiring and challenging. It is absolutely fascinating the, de the degree to which our experience of life is flowing. And it's not, again, to dismiss that there are events and circumstances. And in some cases, there could be truly positive, worthwhile events to pursue more of, and there could be dangerous or damaging events that it's appropriate to take action and intervene about. Um, but to understand and experience and, and, and to appreciate that the moment to moment feeling that I'm living in is not being created and shaped by those events. And that is a remarkably liberating truth. Now, I don't have a technique to share with you as to how to see that for yourself insightfully. I can just simply point to where I see the truth of it and and express to you the value, the extraordinary value of being interested in that truth, to be curious and, and open to that truth, to be able to become more and more attuned to watching how our experience is unfolding inside of our heart mind in the same way that we have a, a flow of blood that the heart is pumping throughout the entirety of our body. Some of it's filled with this wonderfully nutrient filled nutrient and oxygen filled blo uh, blood and some of it which is filled with toxins so to our our spiritual heart the the source of life that's flowing into us from a source beyond us is is at all times flowing with this wondrously nutritious trusting uh peaceful consciousness as well as a self-centered and short-sighted consciousness and that consciousness, that flow is something that we can become cognizant of. We can watch for it. We can look for it. We can make room for it <clears throat> as part of our understanding about how our life is, is uh, unfolding. And that's a tremendously liberating prospect. First of all, it's inherently a, a great accomplishment. It's a mitzvah it's from the Torah to understand that there's only one single simple source. And there can't be other power sources that the events are shaping my feelings in a direct way. And and in addition, to the degree that we engage that, that choice, that mitzvah activity, we are positioning ourselves to live more and more in sync with a truth that is available to us, that is something that we are living inside of and we can awaken to. We can become we can, we can watch and even see insightfully for ourselves how that feeling is, being, is coming to life inside of us. So today's topic is the subject of complaints and what's understanding what's behind complaints. We learn about this in the week's portion called Baha'u'llah, 
where the Jewish people take to complaining against their creator. They're complaining about the food. They're complaining about a variety of things. But the interesting language that the Torah uses is that they were, um, it, it says that they sought complaints. And Rashi's bothered by this idea that they sought complaints. And what he does is, what he what he indicates is that, in fact, more than it was, it was the actual food situation or circumstances of their travels that was the actual basis of their pain and suffering, it was that they had a desire to distance themselves from their creator. The, 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 the feeling of beholdenness, the sense of the indebtedness, the, to live one's life with an experience of, of gratitude and a sense of dependence for all the good that someone has bestowed upon us, whether it be a person, whether it be the creator of the universe, there's a discomfort associated with that feeling of beholdenness. A person, there's an aspect of each and every one of us that resists and resents that feeling of beholdenness. It's, it's, there's a duty behind it. The, the, the sense of I'm benefited by you or by someone generates an illogical conclusion of like, and therefore I owe you, I'm, I'm indebted to you, I'm beholden to you, I owe you. And there's a discomfort in feeling a sense of indebtedness. Now, it happens to be, there's also a great pleasure because the giving of the creator or the giving of the people in our lives that give to us is so, so, it's so good to the degree that there's an inappropriate expectation of someone who gives to us. Okay, that's worth clarifying. The fact that someone might give me a benefit and then expect from me some kind of a, um, a quid pro quo some kind of a transactional uh, debt, that might be inappropriate. It could be that a person bestows good on me in, with an expectation that's not appropriate. But the, the basic reality of being on the receiving end of someone's good is a wondrous thing. To be a recipient of good is wondrous. To have gratitude is wondrous. And certainly with the creator of the universe, whose good is, it's so, it's so, it, his good is so good. His good is so complete. His good is so nourishing. The experience of being able to be in, to be in, to feel that clarity of indebtedness, it 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 arouses within me uh, a sense of a sense of the goodness of my life. It arouses within me an energy for living. It arouses within me a sense that. There's such, this, this world is such a good place. Life is so good. I just want to undertake more of my potential. I just want to undertake more of the gift and opportunity of life. That's the outgrowth of true gratitude to our creator is that it, 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 it compels me to want to, to do more, to actualize my duty in this world. And of course, I benefit from that even more. But nonetheless, even with all that good, there's underlying the gratitude, underlying the feeling of indebtedness is a duty. There is absolutely a duty associated with it. And there is a part of us that chafes at that, that's uncomfortable with that. And therefore, when we walk around with complaints, we must know there's a way in which there's something that's not fully visible to us. It's not practical. It's not, it, it, it's not practical for a person to say, you know, I don't want to live with a sense of duty to God. So therefore, I will find fault in the life that I'm living. That a person, generally speaking, is not willing to do. It could be that that's in fact what's under what's going on. What's going on is that is there is a chafing and a resentment of duty. 
there's a chafing and a resentment of a sense of, of obligation. But a person's not generally going to openly acknowledge that and say, yeah, I, I, um, I don't like the idea of being responsible for my potential, and therefore I'm going to find fault in my creator and therefore, and therefore ju- thereby justify um, a kind of exemption and a lessening of a sense of duty. Or I don't really want to give to my spouse or my employer, uh, and therefore I'm going to diminish in my own eyes the good that they do so that I'll feel less beholden because I don't want to feel beholden. Like generally speaking, a person isn't going to acknowledge that. But yet the, the reality we see is that this is a theme through the story of the Torah. It's a theme that repeats itself over and over again, the, com- the quality of complaint that is a part of the life of the Jewish people. And these were great people. This is not to, to, to dismiss or disparage them. It's to acknowledge that great people are still inclined by their nature to seek complaints and, and really to, to seek what's behind the complaint. What's behind the complaint is it's not so great this life. It's not so great this benefit. What, am I, what do I owe in, 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 ad, in gratitude or in positive attitude, really? Like, I should be thankful for a life that, that's terrible. I should feel duty-bound to realize a potential in a world that's really a dark place. That is a powerful concept. And I will say that to me, this connects back to the whole idea of the spiritual foundations of mental health in the sense that the more a person is open to and at peace with the flow of feelings that arise within him, the more a person acknowledges that every feeling he feels is safe. Everything he feels is part of a healthy system, including the the darker and and, uh, negative feelings that he feels, the degree to which there's more and more room in his worldview and in his life for those feelings, the more he can face them, the more he can look at them, even the ones that don't feel so pretty, that don't feel so uplifted. He can look at them and then he can acknowledge, what are we going to do about this? Wow, look at this. I incline toward ingratitude. I incline toward complaining. I incline toward finding fault in the people in my life who've benefited me they've benefited me and yet I see and focus on the faults that they've got. Um, this is the, the, that, that freedom that we have, that comfort that we have, that ability and space that we have to look at the entirety of our feelings comes from a trusting perception. Everything I have is, is, is safe. It's not a no go zone. I can look at the dark feelings that I've got. I can be in them and I can learn from them. Hmm. Am I someone who is walking around with this slightly invisible uh, complaint that is motivated by desire for distance? Sometimes I will say to my children when they balk at a certain opportunity or responsibility, well, I can't do that because this, that, or the other. And I I don't know if I'm, this is the most graceful way of doing it, but sometimes I'll just simply pause and I'll say as if to mimic them, brain Give me five reasons why this is not possible. And then I just leave it, I just leave it at that. Um, uh, because that's what's going on, is that our brain is in service of an un, sometimes an underlying, not visible motivation, a motivation of distance, a motivation of, of being unduty bound, a, a motivation of ingratitude that allows me to kind of pull back and not realize the great potential within me. This is such a theme, such a theme of great people. 
And we have so much to gain from this kind of inquiry, this opportunity of looking at the entirety of what feelings arise within us that can give us an, an insight, an insight into what's behind our complaints.